0: Hi everyone, this is episode 68 of the Traveling Image Makers podcast with your hosts Hugo Che and Ralph Velasco. You will be able to find all the links and show notes for this episode at ttim.photo forward slash 68. And now I'll give the microphone to Ralph for introducing our guest, Dave Bauskill of theplanetd.com.
1: Ah, This is going to be another really great show. I've known Dave Bosco for quite some time now, I guess since 2011, when we were among a group of travel bloggers and travel professionals, invited to speak at the IOETI e-tourism and e-marketing conference in Cairo, Egypt. Uh, Dave and his wife, Deb, have been married for over 20 years now, and when they're not on the road, they're based in Toronto, Canada. Although that's probably rare that they're there as much as they are traveling these days, I'm sure. Uh, They started off in the film industry, Dave as a gaffer and Deb as a makeup artist. But uh, they say that they knew there was more to life than those 16-hour days working for someone else. Uh, You've probably heard of their website, theplanetd.com. It's won many, many awards, including the Society of American Travel Writers Travel Blog of the Year Award. Uh, And National Geographic's website actually came in second place to them. It tells you uh, how how powerful that is. Uh, They've also won the gold medal for Best Travel Blog in both 2014 and 2015 best illustration of travel again by the Society of the American Travel Writers. Sponsors, clients and partners have included American Express, Expedia, TripIt, Cork Expeditions, Travelsmith, excuse me, Travelsmith and many other prestigious brands. And it says a lot their motto is adventure is for everyone. Well, welcome to the show Dave. How you doing?
2: Ah, great! Thanks a lot for that great introduction, Ralph, and thanks for thanks for having me on. This is uh, sounds like it's uh, it's going to be a fun podcast.
1: <laughs> it is. We have fun. Hugo, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. I'm uh, just uh, getting ready for the weekend. <laughs> here. we looks like we spring has already started. It was uh, 22 degrees Celsius here today, which is uh, pretty unheard of. I don't know how to translate that to Fahrenheit. That's probably uh,
2: 70. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm from Canada, so Celsius is good for me. Yep.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's probably upper 60s, lower 70s. It sounds like yeah. a great temperature. We've been getting some nice weather here as well. I think it's uh, across the northern hemisphere like that.
2: Wish I could say the same. It's snowing here today.
1: Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, you're, you're a little bit further north than I am. Uh, Although Toronto is not too far from Chicago, but but we're coming to you folks from three different countries. Again, Dave's in Canada, I'm here in Chicago, U.S., and of course, Ugo today is in Milan. Yep. Um, so, Dave, um, I'd like you to tell our listeners a little bit about the Tour d'Afrique, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Uh, Tell us about that and also how that affected the the rest of your and Deb's lives.
2: Yeah, so uh, the the Tour d'Afrique is actually the world's longest cycling race. Uh, You cycle from Cairo to Cape Town, 12,000 kilometers over four months, and this played actually a really huge pivotal part in, uh, us getting started in our business and, and developing the planet D as, you know, as, as Ralph said, in the beginning, we were pretty sick of working 16 hour days and sort of banging our head against the wall and just being in the rat race. And, uh, what we wanted to do is we wanted to break out of that and do something on our own. So we thought, um, in order to do that, we have to do something to sort of stand out and uh, and something epic, really, is, is what we were looking for. So to make a long story start, short, we settled on the Tour d'Afrique. Now, we weren't uh, cyclists before this, really. Um, so we took a year to train, um, and then uh, we hired a publicist. And I think this is one of the things that really helped us uh, get our name out there. We ended up securing a, a writing gig for... Uh, the Toronto Star while we were doing it. We had a lot of publicity up here nationally in Canada on television shows and stuff like that about what we were going to be doing. So um, that that really helped us also because it was such an epic thing to do to cycle the continent of Africa. is, is was actually a really great hook as well. Now, after we finished the, uh, the Tour of Africa, we came home and we decided our big thing was that we wanted to get a television show. We came from the movie and TV background, so we thought that was sort of the next step for us. Um, obviously, that didn't happen as I'm sitting here now talking to you about the Planet D. Um, but what it did is for the Tour of Africa, we had to start a blog to keep family and friends updated into what was going on. So after the TV show, um, in essence, failed... Uh, we decided to pursue the online world and, and look into how we could develop our brand because one of the reasons why the TV show didn't work was because nobody knew who we were. So, you know, there were guys like Jack Osborne and uh, – um, other actors doing shows and they already had a name and we didn't so for us it was very important to get out and build a brand so that people would actually come to us so the tour of Africa and being epic and you know being such a uh, a great physical challenge and a, a great physical accomplishment and mental challenge as well really helped us elevate ourselves into that role of canada's adventure couple and eventually into our motto adventure is for everyone
1: Did did Deb win the overall women's
2: category? Yes, yep. Deb won the overall women's category. And uh, (laughs) I finished with uh, EFI, which is uh, every uh, insert, expletive inch. uh award which is quite prestigious in that you take no time off for sickness or anything like that in the four months you cycle every single inch of those twelve thousand kilometers so out of 60 people that were in the race i believe only 11 people uh got efi so uh it was quite a prestigious thing to do so we did set out for what we wanted to accomplish we wanted to win the race and we wanted to finish with efi
0: Great story. Um, Dave, I, I think in, uh, between you and Deb, you're more into photography and Deb is more into video. Uh, is that right? And, and if it is, can you, can you explain to, to our audience how the two things work together, how you uh, combine content, video content and stills to create the content for the Planet D website?
2: Yeah, that is that's that's the way we break things up. Is I'm the photographer and Deb is uh, the videographer, and I think it works out really well because I mean we started the Planet D with the idea of it being very uh, very visually creative. Again, we came from that, that that visual medium of the film business, so we wanted that to. Uh, you know, transfer over into what we were doing online. So the combination of both video and photography works really well together in the sense that, you know, video gives you that overall feeling of what it's like to be be there and the experiences that we're having and the adventures that we're doing, whereas our photography captures those individual moments that happen. So you not only get the overall, but you get the, the, the detail in the photography. And then you combine that with the great words that Deb puts together and her award-winning uh, um, writing, and you sort of have you can really get an all-round feeling for w- what a destination is like, or an adventure, or an activity. So, you know, the idea of pairing both video and photography together is something that allows the reader or the viewer to get a, a full experience, rather than just one or the other.
1: Could you imagine doing this on your own and not having someone like Deb to partner with?
2: Definitely not. I think that, you know, part of our our success is that we're able to do it together. And I think for both of us, you know, I mean, as you guys as photographers know, having an eye is so critical and being able to see shots and being able to see things from a different perspective is important. And by having two different perspectives, I think it gives us a little bit of an advantage rather than just having one way of looking at things. There's always a discussion that goes on into the creative process of creating videos and photos and posts, uh, and there's always a banter back and forth. So uh, it, taking in two people's perspective, has, it gives us a more all-round uh, or uh, the ability to offer a more all-round experience,
0: I think. Yeah, Ralph. If I may add my own point of view here, I've uh, I've been wanting to do more video recently, and uh, and it's really hard to do it if you're just you. I mean, I'm uh, when I'm shooting stills, I'm so much into the into the in focus, uh, focused on getting the best stills, waiting for the best light, finding the best composition. That I have no time to think about video, no time to switch my camera. To video mode or pick up another camera, and while I'm shooting, oh, I will do a video because then I would completely switch my gears. And I just found out that I that I can do it when I'm in shooting stills. I'll do it for hours, and then at the end of the day, I think, oh, I might have shot some video there, but it just didn't occur to me. So I think being two people, it's <laughs> it's really uh, necessary for for this kind of uh, for this kind of thing, at least for me.
1: Yeah, I would completely agree because I think it's a it's a it's a completely different mindset when you go from shooting stills to thinking about how to shoot video. And uh, so I, com- I I totally agree with you there. And I'll go through a whole day shooting stills, and then I'm like, oh my god, why didn't I get some video? And I just uh, so I I, I think that's a really nice advantage that you guys have there, Dave.
2: For sure. And, and you know, what we've learned over time, too, is to when we're on projects is, you know, if they want video and photos, then obviously the time that's required and the destination is a lot more than if we were just capturing photos or just capturing video. So, I mean, video is insanely time consuming. I mean, photography is as well. I mean, in the same vein that you, you have to scout locations, you have to be there for the best light. And um, and all that kind of stuff, but you have to think of that also. As Hugo was saying, from a video standpoint, it's it's sort of a, a a different mindset, but in the same situation.
1: What's your workflow for video creation? I mean, what kind of equipment are you using, or you know, is Deb using? How are you editing video, publishing it? How does that yeah.
2: look? Yeah, yeah. So our, our workflow has obviously evolved over the over the years. Um, Mainly, it, it comes down to when we're capturing video in the destination, we have, we have a, a lot of equipment. But what we do is we choose and bring the stuff that works best for what we're going to be doing in that particular destination or whatever activities we're going to be doing. You know, we use GoPros, uh, video cameras, my Sony mirrorless cameras, uh, a drone, Um, You know, we have we have all this stuff that 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 we cut together in order to to, to make our videos. So the process of capturing it is really, you know, probably the most um, time intensive. Uh, But there is a, a prep part that goes into we look at what the story idea is going to be beforehand before we get to the destination so we know basically what story we want to tell within the video the shots themselves are pretty much on the go you know we don't necessarily have a whole ton of time to plan out a video shoot um so uh we do fly a little bit by the seat of our pants there but we as long as we know that the story arc of what we want to tell Uh, We're getting better and better of knowing what footage we need in order to in order to make that happen. And really, Deb's the mastermind behind that because she does all the editing as well. Um, I just don't have the mindset of uh, of an editor, I don't think, to be able to see the whole story arc and know what you shot and put it all together. Um, Because uh, I think because I'm a photographer, I, I, I really look at things in moments. Uh, rather than a whole story arc i mean i try to try and tell a story with my photos but i don't necessarily visualize that before i go and do it whereas she has this great knack and 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 talent for actually putting that together and um i think that's a again a huge advantage to have somebody to do that you know i don't have to go and and learn final cut pro and all this kind of stuff uh she does she does that part of it so and as in terms of workflow it's uh, shoot. Um, then when we get to uh, back to our computers, obviously we back up everything on the road. Um, and then when we're editing, it's it's done on Final Cut Pro, um, and everything is usually pushed out uh, through YouTube. So that's where we publish everything, and uh, it's on YouTube and then linked to our blog. So I mean, the, the creation process behind video is quite labor intensive, uh, but I think um, you know telling those stories of destinations and stuff like that really is important to give the the viewer and the and the and the, and our fans an exact idea of what it's like to be there.
0: Speaking of destinations, uh, a few years ago you went to Antarctica, so that's uh, starting to get a little bit more popular than it was, I think. Uh, we had already a couple of guests that have been to Antarctica on our show, and one was uh, Ron Clifford and the other one, I think, was Martin Bailey. But yeah, I would like to, to know more about Antarctica. What's uh, what's so great about it? What, what's your your view? How do you see Antarctica with your own eyes?
2: Well, you know, Antarctica to me is, uh, whenever people ask me what my favorite destination is, which I sort of hate that question, but uh, when I do get it, I, I, I do say Antarctica. And, and the reason I say this is because it's really one of the places uh, on this planet that are, are, are pretty much untouched. Uh, when you get down there, you know, everybody's searching for those off the beaten path destinations and trying to get away from crowds and tourists and stuff like that. And getting down to Antarctica really gives you that feeling. And it also, for me, it, it com- it's the perfect combination between um, the beauty and power of Mother Nature combined with this amazing um, animal and wildlife encounters and i don't think anywhere on earth you can you can have this kind of encounter the galapagos yes as far as uh animals are concerned but in terms of combining a a a completely unique landscape with uh, a wildlife experience like you know we kayak down there and i'm kayaking up uh, kayaking up to ice flows with leopard seals sitting on them i had a minke whale surface you know Less than you know, four meters away from my boat, and you know, dipping your paddle in the the brash ice. All these experiences that you have down there are um, things that really stick with you forever, and experiences that I don't think that you can have anywhere else. And being able to get down there, and every time you go down there, you discover new things. You know, when we were down there before, we went down through unnamed. Uh, unnamed straits and fjords because they hadn't you know the ice obviously the ice is a a problem down there in that with global warming it's it's melting but that is also opening up uh, a lot more places that you couldn't get to before so it's it's a great combination of not only exploration but uh discovery and great wildlife encounters as well
1: is there any special gear or must-know tips for traveling and photographing in that kind of environment that you would recommend?
2: Yeah, a few things. I mean, uh, if you're shooting in any sort of cold weather environment, one thing I, I highly recommend is is I brought very large size Ziploc bags, which worked really well for me. Um, when I'm bringing my camera in and out because I was down on a boat, uh, there were three or four people who had their cameras die on them. Uh, While they're down there only because of the moisture that accumulates if you you bring it from obviously an extreme cold uh, temperature into uh, a warm ship. Um, So I recommend having those. Uh, I would also recommend bringing two bodies. Um, You know, I I almost exclusively shoot with two bodies anyway, but I think it's really important down there um, being able to have one body with a wide lens on it and, and being able to capture those beautiful landscapes, but also be ready with your second body with a longer lens on it that you can grab all those great wildlife moments. And, uh, and thirdly, I would probably bring another body, uh, not a body, but maybe a small point and shoot like the Sony RX 105 or something like that in a waterproof housing, if you plan on doing any kayaking or, or, or anything like that. And that way you're sort of covered for every single, um, uh, you know, situation that, that could arise down there because for most people it's, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity, right? So, um, you know, I, I would, I would definitely recommend that all that equipment.
0: So since you, you mentioned gear, you mentioned uh, a particular brand, Sony in this case, you you moved to a mirrorless systems. Is that right? That's, uh, do you find an advantage in terms of uh, size, weight, or other features?
2: For sure. You know, uh, My back is definitely thanking me for moving from my Canon system uh, over to the, the Sony system. Uh, weight is obviously a huge advantage. I, I waited as long as I thought uh, was necessary to make the switch till I thought that, you know, the technology has sort of, uh, caught up to what, uh, DSLRs, um, were doing in terms of what I needed them for as a travel photographer. Um, so, uh, and I think they reached that point. I mean, I use, I've switched to a, a Sony a seven R two now, uh, and I also carry an a 7s two. And, uh, you know, for me, I don't do a whole ton of wildlife photography. So, um, the most of the credit the criticism uh behind sony is that you know for a a mirrorless system and and wildlife it's a lack of long lenses and 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 lack of a fast af so for what i do um it really has been a great switch because it's lighter uh it's the quality is 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 fantastic and caught up to where my dslrs are and uh, i'm very very happy with the switch
1: Dave, I recall you're having a, a very serious accident in South America a few years ago. Can you uh, briefly tell our listeners about that and how that affected affected your outlook on travel and your business? So we had David Dushman on the show a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he's famous for having a very serious accident in Italy. Um, tell us a little bit about that, would you?
2: Yeah, uh, we were actually in the Amazon down in, uh, down in Peru and it was about the fourth day of, uh, of, of our tour down there and I was just stepping back onto a skiff boat. I actually went back to, to grab my flash for some, uh, some photography we were doing in the forest and as I was stepping down on the stairs, I, my feet went out from underneath me and uh, I landed on the metal stairs with my back and, and broke two vertebrae in my back in the Amazon. So uh it was a quite quite the ordeal there of where I had to be airlifted out of the Amazon, spent eight D eight days in the hospital in a ketos and then had to be airlifted home here to Canada and another three months in in recovery from that. And I, I think that, you know, that that experience definitely um made both of us, both Deb and I, realize that it you know, things can end at any time and, and your life can change on a dime and it doesn't have to be doing a crazy adventure and it doesn't have to be do something, you know, loony that people think you're crazy for doing uh, like bungee jumping. or So like that it can be slipping on some stairs. And that really opened my eyes into the sense that, you know, we really need to concentrate and and on what we really want to do and what we love and our passion. And I know that sounds somewhat corny, you know, when you get out there and you say, follow your passion and all this kind of stuff. But I think if if you look at people who are successful in any business, that the one thing that is is, is a common denominator is is following that passion. And I think it's easy as you move on in your career to, to, to lose sight of that. And, um, you know, that episode that happened and Peru just really reminded us of that. And, you know, I'm not saying everybody has to go through something crazy like that to remind them that passion is what they should be focusing on first and foremost. But it really made me realize how fragile life is and that I need to take life by the horns and, and realize how lucky I am to, you know, be married to uh, this wonderful woman and have a great career and great friends and, and appreciate them every day. So it was a really big eye opener for, for both of us.
0: I think this really ties into the, the next question I wanted to ask you. And um, this was inspired by reading on your on your blog, uh, this, this sentence which says, uh, your purpose shouldn't consume you. And I think it's, uh, it's very important to keep that in mind, because uh, some people think that it's uh, uh, the life of travel and blogging is like an endless cruise. But when it is also your work, and this is what you explain in that blog post, if I understand well, is that you you end up working twenty four hours a day. It's always work and work and work because uh, uh, that's that's your your life is your work. So you you took time to to step back and look at your life and reconsider your life. So uh, how, how do you find the right balance between life and work with the kind of life that you lead?
2: Well, I think it's. Uh, I, I think it. Ba- the key word there is definitely balance, and I think everybody struggles, especially in today's day and age, to find that with you know constant social media and twenty-four hour day news and all that kind of stuff. I think it's you know what we try and do is is step back and take some time for ourselves, uh, at least a little bit every day. Uh, it's it's that we still struggle with it most definitely in that because we are so passionate in what we do and we love creating things together that you know we do we do tend to spend you know sometimes 14 15 hours a day working but you know one thing I did realize from that accent is that you do have to step back and take time for yourself and take time to reconnect with friends and really my advice to people who uh, are, are doing something that they love and throw everything into it is to make sure that you do step back and spend time with friends and take time for yourself because it's very easy to get consumed by uh by what you're doing or like i said you know your 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 purpose becoming your your whole life and consuming you and i think by um just adding a little bit of me time every single day i think that allows you to achieve a little bit of balance in your life i don't know whether i don't know anybody who's gotten to that perfect 50 50 balance and that you know you know this is this is the the perfect way to do things because things are constantly changing in this world um but it's important to be aware of it and I think if you're aware of it, then you will always take steps to actually enrich your life and find moments for yourself and your loved ones and your relationship.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Well,
1: Dave, what other trips, assignments or speaking engagements do you guys have coming up in the near future that you want to tell us about?
2: Well, uh, we're going to be uh, heading to Scotland for the first time. We've never been there, uh, believe it or not. So we're heading there to uh, help uh, Help visit Scotland promote the uh, North Coast 500, which is like Scotland's answer to uh, Route 66 in the US. So I'm very much looking forward to that. And then uh, after that, we're heading off to Istanbul to speak at a conference there in Turkey and spending a little bit of time in Turkey. And then, uh, what do we do for after that? Then we are heading to uh, do our own project with um, two other travel bloggers, where we're doing like an adventure um, uh, like an adventure race ourselves through the Balkans. So from Turkey to Tuscany, Uh, All broadcast live on social media where our fans and everybody else can have an input on adventures that we do and uh, we're showcasing everything in real time. So uh, our idea behind that project is um, is really just to showcase something that is, you know, a lot of shows out there that are, you know, the adventure race kind of things are a little bit contrived and this will be more in the moment, more raw and uh, sort of what social media is is a little bit more about so that's called the globetrotting challenge and you can you can follow us on our channels and that'll be uh we'll be promoting that a little bit more in the next month so we're really looking forward to
0: that what kind of race cycling
2: uh, no, it'll be just a traveling race. So what'll it, uh, it will pit two travel couples against each other in which we will be challenging each other to do things uh, on a certain budget to get from Turkey to Tuscany in a certain amount of time. And then uh, our readers will have input on, on challenges that we'll do and things like that. And then uh, we end in a villa in Tuscany and uh, there'll be a winner crown there. So it should be fun.
0: Cool. And what? you said you're going to do um, more uh, live video. Right, you find that streaming. What are you going to to use? Facebook Live, uh, Instagram. What's your favorite uh, outlet? Yeah, these
2: days? It, it, it'll definitely be both. It'll be uh, uh, Facebook Live and Instagram Stories will be the two uh, the the real live platforms that we'll be focusing on on this race so i think both are a great way to uh to, to to showcase not only um the adventures that we're doing but when it comes down to competition it's great to have two people pitted against each other and see their opinions uh, that go out to uh to their followers as well as a cross promotion that happens between everybody so it's about you know introducing uh, a, a little bit of spontaneity rather than sp- things that are so planned out there that I find in today's world of social media. Everything is scheduled and calculated, and this is meant to be a little bit more random. should be fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It should be great.
1: (laughs) When does that actually take place that you're doing that, Dave? Uh,
2: That will take place from uh, April April 23rd to May 5th.
0: That's uh, about a couple of weeks, right? So it's pretty yes. packed, going from Istanbul it, but, to Italy. So you, you land up here in Italy in May.
2: We, we will, yes. Tuscany in May. And it's all overland, traveling by you know local buses, uh, uh-huh. you know local trains, whatever wherever it may be. However we can get around on, uh, on a relatively uh, tight budget. Uh,
1: well, Dave, it's really a pleasure to have you on the show. Where can our listeners find out more about you and Deb online?
2: Well, you can uh, check out our our blog at theplanetd.com or all of our social channels, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Pinterest, all those are The Planet D. So on any social channel, we're the same all the way across.
1: Yeah, and we'll certainly have links to that in the show notes. Uh, Anything else, Hugo?
0: No, I'd just like uh, to thank uh, Dave for... uh for being with us today. It's been really inspiring and, and fun. And I'm looking forward to, to watching that show. I'll uh, check yeah. out, you'll probably find it on your, on your site or Facebook page. So I'll, uh, maybe we can meet up in Italy at the end of it.
2: <laughs> That's a, that sounds like a plan. Definitely. Uh, and thanks a lot for having me on. I really, uh, I really appreciate it. And it's just such a, it's great chatting with you guys and, uh, and just talking about photography and travel. Cause we love to talk about that.
1: Well, thanks again, Dave. So, Ugo, before we sign off, do you have any trips, workshops or other speaking engagements coming up in the near future?
0: uh, We actually recently launched or rather soft launched our uh, workshop for the Venice Carnival for next year. Uh, It's just been published on the website. And uh, if anyone is interested, you can find it all the information at mediterraneanphototours.com/slash/Venice2018.
1: Yeah, and if you'd like more information about me, please visit my website at photoenrichment.com. You can also follow me on all the social media platforms at both at photoenrichment and at Ralph Velasco. And if you have an interest in learning how to organize and lead your own special interest tours, whether around the world or around the corner, be sure to visit my new website at tourorganizertraining.com to register, to receive more information as this program develops. I'm starting to teach people how to organize and lead their own trips. Uh, To find out more about Ugo, you can visit his website at ucphoto.me and by Googling him, and he's uh, all over all the social media platforms. And please, if you've been listening to and enjoying the show, be sure to tell your friends put in a review on iTunes. This really helps us to get noticed by our listeners. Thanks, folks. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a great one.
0: Take care, Bye. Cheers.